Hey guys, Anthony here, and I just wanted to give you a big biohack thank you for listening. I'm so humbled and grateful that you're spending some of your day with me and the Biohacking Secrets Show. And if you get any value from this episode, or you've gotten value from previous episodes, it would mean the world if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends, family members, and coworkers on social media. That way we can continue to spread this information and positively impact as many lives as possible. And it's also how our podcast gets discovered by more people. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. This is your life and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are breakfast. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. What's up, biohackers? Anthony DiClemente here, and this is part two of the storytime episode titled The Most Dangerous Technology Ever Invented. And this is uh, this was written by Arthur Fistenberg, author of The Invisible Rainbow. So if you guys haven't listened to part one of the most dangerous technology ever invented, I suggest you go back and uh, jump on that episode. And then if you already have and you're ready to continue, then you're in the right place. Um, We just announced April 21st, the 24th, 2022, will be the ultimate biohacking experience in Western North Carolina. It's going to be a band of your brothers from another mother, like-minded men, high performers, entrepreneurs, great people for networking, uh, other men that are committed to total human optimization, becoming the best versions of themselves in mind, body, spirit, and uh, having a community and tribe of other people that they could lean on where you're not, you know, the, the, the quote unquote weird friend who's interested in putting the right food in your body and exercising and biohacking and, you know, finding and uncovering and applying the best that both nature and science and technology have to offer. Um, at the ultimate biohacking experience, that's everybody. And, uh, you know, if you guys haven't seen the videos and stuff from past events, you can go to biohackingweek.com, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-I-N-G week.com. Uh, we're doing a two-for-one deal. So the first 10 men to enroll, either by booking a call with me at biohackingweek.com or uh, by sending in their deposit, uh, well, their full payment, to P.O. Box, our Anthony DiClemente, Biohacking Secrets, P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, Illinois, I believe it's 60015. Yeah, 60015. So uh, you can just make it out to either me or Biohacking Secrets. Same P.O. Box that we use for all of our letters that you guys send in, donations, that sort of thing. So P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, Illinois, 60015. And uh, yeah, so instead of uh, the $5,000 per ticket that everybody else is going to have to pay for the first 10 guys, you get uh, two for the price of one. So you can bring a friend, you could sell the ticket, whatever you want. Just let us know, you know, a couple weeks before the event. So plenty of time. And uh, it's going to be amazing. And also, if you guys are fans of the Biohacking Secrets show, uh, the Biohacker's Guide to Upgrade Energy and Focus, the content that we put out there, and uh, you'd like to be a partner on the event where, um, you know, you can share it with a couple people from your tribe, your audience, um, you know, we, we may be looking for a few aligned 
partners in that capacity. So feel free to reach out. My phone number is 847-989-3743. Just send me a text message and uh, if it makes sense, you know, why you want to be involved. And um, yeah, we are doing partner commissions for maybe just one or two aligned partners who kind of have an audience of, of entrepreneurs, businessmen, people that are into uh, performance optimization and uh, yeah, just peak mes- mental and physical performance. So cool, cool, cool. All right. So having said all of that, let's dive into part two of the most dangerous technology ever invented. There is no dose response for microwave radiation, also known as electrical radiation. The selling of cell phones is and has always been based on lies and deception. The biggest lie is that they are quote unquote low power, end quote, devices, and that makes them safe. This is a double lie. It's a lie because they are not low power. If you put a cell phone or any phone in your hand or next to your body, you're being blasted with more microwave radiation from your phone than you are getting from any cell tower and by 10 billion times as much microwave radiation as you are getting from the sun, the Milky Way, or any other natural source. And this is important to know because these are some of the common and you know quick quoted objections and um, retorts that you'll hear from people. The exposure guidelines established by the Federal Communications Commission reflect this reality. Cell towers are permitted to expose your body at a specific absorption rate of 0.08 watts per kilogram, while cell phones are allowed to expose your brain at at a specific absorption rate of 1.6 watts per kilogram, which is 20 times higher. And it is a lie because low power devices are not any safer than high power devices. The reason for this is that electromagnetic fields are not toxins in the ordinary sense. And the rule of toxicology is that a lower dose is a lower dose is a safer dose, but this does not apply to microwave radiation or electrical radiation. As Alan Frey wrote in 1990, and I quote, Electromagnetic fields are not a foreign substance to living beings like lead or cyanide. With foreign substances, the greater the dose, the greater the effect. There's a dose-response relationship. Rather, living beings are electrochemical systems that use low-frequency EMFs in everything from protein folding through cellular communication, through nervous system function. To model how EMFs affect living beings, one must compare them to the radio we use to listen to music. If you impose on the radio an appropriately tuned EMF or harmonic, even if it's very weak, it will interfere with the music. Similarly, if we impose a very weak EMF signal on a living being, it has the possibility of interfering with normal function if it is properly tuned. That is the model that much biological data and theory tell us to use, not a toxicological toxicological model. End quote. The most thorough investigation of the blood-brain barrier effect, which Frey discovered in 1975, was done at Lund University in Sweden beginning in the late 1980s with various sources of microwave radiation and later in the 1990s and 2000s with actual cell phones. They found not only that there is not a dose response, but that there is an inverse dose response for this type of injury. They exposed laboratory rats to what is now called 2G cell phone radiation. Think about that. 
So each time you go up in a G, guys, from two to three, 10 times increase in um, power. Three to four, 10 times increase in power. Four to five, 10 times increase. So you've got two to three is 10. Then you've got 100 from three to four. Then you've got uh, 1,000 from four to five. So we're now 1,000 times more powerful than 2G radiation. And now it's not directly related. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a thousand times worse um, because these don't function in the same way as as um, is being explained. But I just wanted to put this in perspective. So these studies were done with what was 2G cell phone radiation. So roughly a thousand times less power. And then they reduced the power level of the radiation tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold, and even 10,000fold. And they found, to their surprise, that the greatest damage to the blood-brain barrier occurred not in the rats that were exposed at full power, but in the rats that were exposed to phones whose radiation was reduced by a factor of 10,000. This was the equivalent of holding a cell phone more than one meter away, more than three feet away from your body. The leader of the research team, neurosurgeon Leif Salfold, warned that non-users of cell phones were being damaged by their neighbors' cell phones and that this technology was, quote-unquote, the world's largest biological experiment ever. And it's still going on today. And in a further set of experiments published in 2003, Salford's team exposed young rats to what is now called a 2G cell phone just once for two hours, either at full power or at two different levels of reduced power, and sacrificed them 50 days later to examine their brains. They found that a single exposure to an ordinary cell phone operating at a normal power had permittedly destroyed up to 2% of almost all of the rats. Damaged neurons dominated the picture in some areas of their brains. Well, the power of their phone, when the power of their phone was reduced tenfold, it caused brain damage in every rat. When the power of the phone was reduced 100-fold, this type of permanent brain damage was observed in half of the exposed animals. And in still further experiments published in 2008, they exposed rats to a cell phone for two hours once a week for a year, still using what is called 2G cell phone uh, service. The exposed rats suffered from impaired memory, regardless of whether they were exposed at a SAR level of 60 milliwatts per kilogram or 0.6 milliwatts per kilogram. In other words, reducing the power level by a factor of 100 did not make the cell phone less dangerous. The lack of a dose response has been reported over and over. Physicist Carl Blackman spent much of his career at the Environmental Protection Agency figuring out why only particular frequent why not only particular frequencies but also particular power levels of RF radiation or electrical radiation cause calcium to flow out of brain cells. Ross Addy at UCLA Jean-Louis Schwartz at the National Research Council of Canada and Jitendra Bahari at Jawaharlal Jawaharlal University in India reported the same thing. Geneticist Sisir Dutta, studying the same phenomenon at Howard University in 1986, found peaks of calcium flow 
at levels of 2 watts per kilogram and 1 watt per kilogram, and also going all the way down to much, much, much lower levels. In order, in other words, a 3,000-fold reduction in power level only result. Oh, it actually resulted in a four-fold increase in calcium disturbance. Fascinating. So when they reduced the power level of these of these exposure levels and, and phones by 3,000-fold, 3,000 times, it still caused a four-fold increase in calcium disturbance. Uh, the frequency was 915 megahertz, the same frequency that was later used for cell phones. Uh, another researcher and her Soviet colleagues in the 1960s and 70s, I, I, I like Arthur Fistenberg a lot. He just he includes a ton of names and places, and I get it. It's important for the references. But if you guys really want to go through and see every single person who's worked on these studies, um, <clears throat> subscribe to Arthur Fistenberg's mailing list. Pick up a copy of his book, The Invisible Rainbow, which we've also covered in another Storytime episode. But um yeah, we'll continue. So uh, Maria Sadchikova and her Soviet colleagues in the 1960s and 1970s examined hundreds of workers exposed to microwave radiation on the job and consistently found that the sickest workers were the ones who were exposed to the lowest, not the highest, power levels. Uh, a gentleman at Stockholm University found that genetic effects occurred at specific frequencies and that the magnitude of these effects did not change with power level over 16 orders of magnitude, all the way down to point zero 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 one watts per square centimeter, a level that is one quadrillion times lower than what a cell phone delivers to your brain. Demetrius Panagopoulos at the University of Athens, shocker, it's a Greek guy, <laughs> who would have guessed, Panagopoulos, at the University of Athens found that fruit flies exposed to a cell phone for just one minute a day for five days produced 36% fewer offspring than flies that were not exposed at all. When he exposed them to the phone for six minutes a day for five days, it reduced the number of their offspring by 50 to 60%. Is it any wonder so many people are having a hard time having kids, right? And the maximum effect occurred when the cell phone was about one foot away from the flies, not when it was touching the vial that the flies were in. In further research, he showed that the effect is due to DNA damage and consequent cell death caused by the radiation. There are a couple things that make Lyme disease, and more specifically, the spirochete bacteria, Borrelia burgdorferi, particularly hard to treat. The first is that it's known as the great imitator, meaning that it mimics the symptoms of 200 other conditions. So a lot of times people think they've got thyroid disorder or adrenal problems or chronic fatigue or a whole host of other stuff going on, rheumatoid arthritis, when in reality they have a low-level chronic bacterial infection. The testing is notorious for producing false negatives. So a lot of people will get a Lyme test that only has maybe a 30% uh, accuracy level and they'll get a negative test result and then they'll go looking elsewhere and spend years or even decades going down the wrong path. And last but not least, the bacteria has this 
spirochete form, which means it's able to bury in our central nervous system, our brain, our connective tissue, and a lot of the most effective commonly known treatments for Lyme disease like blood ozone, ultraviolet blood radiation, IV light therapy combined with uh, intravenous um, vitamins, and then you have the herbal protocols like the Bunner protocol, the Cowden protocol, etc. A lot of times these get people results for a few months or even a few years, but they're unable to effectively get into the connective tissue and the central nervous system and get rid of the spirochete bacteria that are kind of hibernating there, and then it comes back. Well, Clinic St. George in Bad Eibling, Germany has developed a breakthrough treatment that they discovered almost on accident while helping people with cancer. It's called extreme whole body hyperthermia. And based on the 1927 Nobel Prize, they found that when you heat the body up in a safe and controlled medically supervised setting to 107 degrees for a period of two hours and maintain it there, you're able to wipe out uh, the Borrelia bacteria. And then when you follow it up with intravenous laser therapy and IV riboflavin, you're able to knock out the co-infections like Bartonella and Babesia that otherwise are able to maintain a foothold because you've got the Lyme bacteria, the Borrelia, suppressing the immune system. So if you or someone you know is dealing with cancer or Lyme disease, the St. George Clinic in Bad Eibling, Germany has helped over 25,000 people with cancer and now over 2,500 people with Lyme disease. And it's the most effective treatment modality that I'm aware of for helping with chronic Lyme, especially if you've tried a lot of the other things out there. And if you want more information, you can go online to their website, which is Clinic St. George. You can just Google that. That's probably the easiest way to find it. But their website, I'll spell it out for you. It's K-L-I-N-I-K-S-T-G-E-O-R-G.de slash E-N slash. That'll give it to you in English. And it's Clinic St. George in Bad Eibling, A-I-B-L-I-N-G, Germany. And I just did a podcast with their medical director, Dr. Dows. It's, I believe, episode 215 of the Biohacking Secrets show. So check that out if you are interested. And please pass this along to anyone who may benefit from it. All right. Thank you. Back to the episode. In another experiment, Panagopoulos' colleague, Lucas Margaritis exposed fruit flies to various frequencies of RF radiation and exposure levels ranging from a little bit to a little bit, and found that even a single exposure to any one of these frequencies at any of their power levels for just six minutes caused a significant amount of ovarian cell death. Also, not good for making little adorable babies to uh, repopulate the earth. Okay, so if you guys are trying to have kids, Really got to get get back to a landline or at least start making some big, big shifts uh, that we covered in part one. But, oh, ah, let's recap them. Uh, get rid of Wi-Fi. Get a, a, a router that does not uh, transmit wirelessly. Put your phone in airplane mode most of the day, uh, especially when you're sleeping. Only take it out to kind of batch your work and do stuff quick. And 
use that corded Ethernet, um, use a corded Ethernet cable with an Ethernet to USB adapter, plug that into your laptop or your computer so that you can turn off Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on your computing device. And that takes it from being a little cell tower to actually just being a computer, and it's even a faster connection. If you do have Wi-Fi and you're not quite ready to make the plunge, we don't have Wi-Fi in any of, of my homes, never will, um, but if you're not quite ready to take the plunge or you know, you've know you got a little time where you're waiting well, they deliver you a router that does not transmit, unplug your Wi-Fi at night. So when you're going to bed, if you have roommates or peop, other people you live with that stay up later than you using the Wi-Fi, uh, maybe they're watching Squid Games <laughs> on Netflix, um, then just have them unplug it when they go to bed. And that, uh, you know, those are some really good action steps. If, if you really want to go ninja, get um, call up your power company and get the smart meter that is on your house and sending a blast of radiation two to six times a minute. Uh, get it swapped out for an old analog meter. Um, or at, at least go to lessemf.com and get a, uh, a blocker, like a Faraday cage that you can put on it. And that'll stop a lot of that. Um, okay. The effects on insects are so obvious that even a high school student can easily demonstrate them. In 2004, Alexander Chan, a sophomore at Benjamin Cardozo High School in Queens, New York, exposed fruit fly larvae daily to a loudspeaker, a computer monitor, and a cell phone for a science fair project and observed their development. The flies that were exposed to the cell phone failed to develop wings. What are we doing to nature? We are distressing and dis disorienting not only birds, but also, as is being discovered, insects. It appears that all little creatures that have antennae Use them to send and receive communications electronically, communications that are being interfered with and drowned out by the much more powerful communications of our wireless devices. When honeybees perform their waggle dance to inform one another of the location of food sources, it is not only a visual dance, but an electromagnetic one. During the dance, they generate electromagnetic signals with a modulation frequency between 180 and 250 hertz. And they send another kind of signal, which has been called the stop signal, up to 100 milliseconds long at a frequency of 320 hertz. The stop signal is used when the colony already has too much food, and it causes the dancers to stop dancing and leave the dance floor. A gentleman at a university in Berlin discovered that bees will start walking and actively moving their antenna in response to artificially generated electromagnetic fields that imitate those natural signals, even in the abundance, or I'm sorry, even in the absence of any visual or auditory cues. Bees whose antenna he removed or coated with wax did not respond to these signals. Fascinating stuff. Pollination is also dependent on electromagnetic communication between bees and flowers. Bees carry positive charge on their bodies from flying in the global atmospheric electric field, while flowers being connected to the earth carry a negative charge. Dominic Clark at the University of Bristol had proved that not only does this facilitate pollen transfer from flowers to bees, but that bees sense and are attacked, attracted not only to the colors of flowers, but also to the, dis the, the distinct patterns of their electric field. 
The electric field of a flower diminishes immediately after being visited by a bee. And other bees, quote unquote, see this and only visit flowers whose electric field is robust. When honeybees see the fields with their antennae, bumblebees see the fields more with the hairs that cover their bodies, which not only makes them such distinctive creatures, but also functions as a kind of antenna. In 2007, German biologist Ulrich uh, Warnke published an important booklet in both German and English titled Bees, Birds, and Mankind, Destroying Nature by Electrosmog. In it, he reminded us that there are only two long-range forces, gravity and electromagnetism, that shape everything in the universe, including our bodies, and that we ignore this fact at our own peril. Electricity is the foundation of life, he warned, and, quote, this destruction of the foundation of life has already wiped out many species forever, end quote. We cannot immerse our world, he said, in a sea of electromagnetic radiation that is up to 10 billion times as strong as the natural radiation that we evolved with, destroying, with, with without destroying all life. So I'm going to say that one more time. That's an important quote. We cannot immerse our world in a sea of electromagnetic radiation that is up to 10 billion times as strong as the natural radiation that we evolved with without destroying all of life. He summarized the research that he and others had done with honeybees. It is no wonder, wrote Warnke, that bees are disappearing all over the world. I thought uh, this is kind of a little interesting fun fact too. A lot of you guys have read Dr. Joseph Mercola's book, uh, EMF'd, but the um, original title for that book that's talking about this, how dangerous cell phones, Wi-Fi, cell towers, uh, Bluetooth devices, smart meters, these the internet of things, your smart car, uh, the title of his book was uh, EMF Extinction because of what we're doing to ourselves and and that unless a dram- uh, enough of us spark and inspire a dramatic shift we're not headed down a good path and, and there's going to be a lot of lives lost i mean there already is is going to be right it's going to be causing cancer and epidemic proportions but we can change a lot of that and by being willing to talk to people we love and care about or even just having love for your fellow man and being willing to share these things in a cool way that people respond to, you know, even just sharing this episode. If one person resonates with it and changes the way that they use this technology, it could save their life. It could keep them from getting cancer. It could keep them from having a heart attack or getting a neurodegenerative disease, you know, that starts with just memory lapses. Oh, I feel like my brain's not working right. To then all of a sudden it's Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, right? So share this stuff, share this infor, uh, this episode and this information um, and have conversations, be cool, learn to communicate in ways that people respond to and are open to, even if they've got a different opinion and also be, be willing to listen to them, you know, and hear their side. And if you can argue both sides of an argument really well, that's when you're truly in a position of power in order to make up your mind, you know, but you, sometimes you got to have those conversations and you got to research both sides. Let's continue. So bees disappearing all over the world. They began, the bees, disappearing at the dawn of the radio age. On the small island lying off England's south coast where Guillermo Marconi 
sent the first, the world's first long distance radio transmission in 1901, the honeybees began to vanish. By 1906, the island, then host to the greatest density of radio transmissions in the world, was almost empty of bees. Thousands, unable to fly, were found crawling and dying on the ground outside of their hives. Healthy bees imported from the mainland began dying within a week of arrival. In the following decades, Isle of Wight disease spread along with radio broadcasting to the rest of Great Britain and to Italy, France, Switzerland, Germany, Brazil, Australia, Canada, South Africa, and of course, the United States. In the 1960s and 1970s, its its name changed to disappearing disease. It became urgent in the late 1990s with the wireless revolution and became a worldwide emergency in 2006 when it was renamed Colony Collapse Disorder, all different names for the same problem that's been around for over 120 years now. Today, not only domestic bees, but also wild bees are in danger of extinction. Amphibians are not only disappearing, but large numbers of amphibian species have already gone extinct, even in the most remote, pristine areas of the world. Pristine, that is, except for communication towers and radar stations emitting microwave radiation or electrical radiation. All the same thing. Amphibians are the most vulnerable of all classes of animals on the planet to electromagnetic radiation, and they have been dwindling and going extinct since the 1980s. When I looked into this in 1996, every species of frog and toad in Yosemite National Park was disappearing. In the Monteverde Cloud Forest Preserve of Costa Rica, the famous and highly protected golden toad had gone extinct. Eight of 13 frog species in a Brazilian rainforest preserve had gone extinct. The famous gastric brooding frog of Australia was extinct. 75 species of the colorful harlequin frogs that once graced streams in the tropics of the Western Hemisphere were extinct. Today, more than half of all known kinds of frogs, salamanders, and snake these snake-like amphibians called caecilians, C-A-E-C-I-L-I-A-N-S, amounting to over 4,300 species. 4,300 species are either extinct or in danger from extinction, and much of this has been linked to cell towers and all of our devices. In 1996, when cell towers marched into remote areas of the United States, mutant frogs began turning up by the thousands in lakes, streams, and forests all across the American Midwest. Their deformed legs, extra legs, missing eyes, misplaced eyes, and other genetic mistakes were frightening school children out of field trips. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's kind of funny. In 2009, wildlife biologist Alfonso Balmori did a simple, obvious experiment on the balcony of an apartment in Spain, not far from a cell tower, an experiment that proved what was happening. He raised tadpoles in two identical tanks, except over one of them, he draped a thin layer of fabric that was woven with metallic fibers, which which admitted air and light, but kept out radio waves. The results shocked even Balmori. In a period of two months, 90% of the tadpoles in the tank without the shielding had died versus only 4% in the shielded tank. It's one of the reasons why we have a very specific type of uh, bed canopy 
that a, a, a lot of our clients end up getting. Um, there's a lot of bed canopies that block EMF, but there's uh, really only one that we use and recommend. And like a lot of people that um, were unable to sleep, dealing with insomnia, waking up a lot throughout the night, all of a sudden they're able to sleep great. You know, within less, like sometimes within a day, the very same night, but certainly within within a week or two. Um, and so, if you want to learn more about that stuff uh, and our coaching program, and um, you know, taking a lot of these things to the next level, you can go to biohackercoaching.com. That's b i o h a c k e r c o a c h i n g dot com. And uh, yeah, we we can get you hooked up with all this stuff. I mean, you just think about that. So, in a period of two months, ninety percent of the tadpoles in the tank without the shielding had died. I mean, that's almost every person right now. You know, what What are you doing to shield yourself? Probably not much. Versus only 4% in the shielded tank. You know, so if you want help shielding your tank, biohackercoaching.com. Similar shielding experiments have confirmed in spades what is happening to birds uh, and what is happening to our forests. Scientists at the University of Oldenburg in Germany were shocked to find, beginning in 2004, that the migratory songbirds that they had been studying were no longer able to orient themselves toward the north in spring and toward the southwest in autumn. Suspecting electromagnetic pollution might be responsible, they did for the birds what Balmori did for his tadpoles a few years later. They shielded the aviary from radio waves during the winter with aluminum sheeting. Quote, the effect on the birds' orientation capabilities was profound, wrote the scientists. The birds all oriented toward the north the following spring. And in 2007, in a backyard laboratory in the foothills of Colorado's Rocky Mountains, Katie Haggerty decided to do the same experiment with aspen seedlings. She wanted to find out if radio waves were responsible for the decline of aspen trees all over Colorado that had begun in 2004. She grew 27 aspen trees, nine without any screening, nine with aluminum window screening around their pots, which kept out radio waves, and nine with fiberglass screening, which kept out just as much light, but let in all the radio waves. After two months, the new shoots of the radio-shielded aspens were 74% longer and their leaves 60% larger than those of either the mock-shielded or the unshielded aspens. And in the fall, the shielded trees had large, healthy leaves in brilliant fall colors that aspens are famous for, like bright orange, yellow, green, dark red, and black. The mock-shielded and unshielded trees had small leaves in drab yellow and green, covered with gray and brown areas of decay. The only thing that had changed in Colorado's Rocky in Colorado's Rocky Mountains in 2004 was the installation of a new emergency communication system called the Digital Trunked Radio System, composed of 203 radio towers, 203 radio towers whose transmission covered every square inch of this state. And this is one of the reasons why Dr. Jack Cruz, neurosurgeon, says he has more sick people in the state of Colorado than any other state. And I think a big part of it is due to military testing and this digital trunked radio system. People like you think because there's a lot of nature there that it's great, but a lot of people go to Colorado and get sick. 
I think I said Colorado and not California. Well, all right. That is it for uh, this episode to be continued if there is a part three. And uh, if you enjoyed that Storytime episode, pick up Arthur Fistenberg's book, The Invisible Rainbow, uh, available uh, all places good books are sold and subscribe to his newsletter. Uh, Appreciate you guys listening. Share this episode and uh, I will talk to you soon in another episode. Have a beautiful day. What's up, guys? Anthony here. And one of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like living life with the body you've always wanted and all day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that are holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this now with thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebs, and entrepreneurs is that there is always room for improvement and optimization. So if you're looking for help with this stuff and you'd like to see if you're a fit to work with me one-on-one, this program is usually full year-round with a waiting list, but we just had a few spots open up. And I wanted to make this available to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So what you want to do if you want to apply is head over to biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. Fill out the short application form. And if you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. I look forward to potentially going on this journey together.